This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, welcome to Rob Ryan Red, the Wrexham podcast brought to you by Red 10 People Development. Well, the Bristol Street Motors came crashing to an end, but we've only got to go down the A5 for an FA Cup meeting with an old friend. The temporary cop stand is on the way, but when will Arthur Conquo be able to play? We've got all that and more on this week's podcast. I'm Rich Fay, joined by Nathan Salt. How are you doing? I'm all right, mate. It's been a busy old week for us. Journalists getting banned left and right. Um, so I don't know if we if we we're not banned personally, but uh, yeah, it's been a busy old week. And from a Wrexham perspective, thoroughly entertaining, both good and bad. Um, we'll get into that, I'm, I'm sure. But uh, never dull. Uh, and I laughed a lot, I have to say, um, at all your suggestions to Rich's post about what we should name the new temporary cops. We'll get into that later. But yeah, very very amusing. So, Nath, we had a cup double then, victory over Yeovil, defeat against Burton, two very different sides. I think it was uh, the clearest indication yet of Phil Parkinson's sort of squad hierarchy, the players who are in need of minutes, those who are maybe at risk of being cut next year as well. I suppose for once we can actually talk about the games individually. Usually we just talk about the Tuesday game and reference the Saturday, Sunday one, sorry, but they were so different. I mean, how do you feel? Should we talk about Yoel first? I thought it was, I mean, the biggest compliment to Wrexham was that it never looked, I mean, I know Yeovil had the fantastic free kick and they had good chances, but even then you always felt Wrexham will win this and there was always more gears to move into. That's how I felt anyway. Yeah, I mean, you can if you want to speak for both of us, you can do, mate. I feel very, very similar. No, I thought it was very professional. It wasn't glamorous and almost that's when you're the favourite and Wrexham... They, I hate saying they couldn't really win because they could. They won and got through. But there was very little they were going to prove. Yeah, there is a lose-lose yeah, element. Was... Yeah, because you either lose the game and you get slated or you win the game and you get no credit right. for it. And the biggest compliment of a good team is that they do just get routine wins that are underwhelming and of little yeah. note And, and it was it was a, just a professional, accomplished performance. Their goalkeeper, um, was it Joe Day? I mean, had seen better days, but um, they'd seen better days. He'd seen better days. But you've got to look at the positives. My positives to come out of it were Andy Cannon, two goals in two games. He's He looks at a player transformed, clearly a massive confidence player. Now, we don't have all confidence players, but he definitely strikes me as one that can get his head down and can... is And also, reading Moyn's book, he's so popular in the dressing room. I know that's not kind of like breaking news. Is he in your best best midfield right now, then? Um, Would you say that your best midfield is Evans, Cannon, Lee? I would. I would say so. I think that's probably got the most amount of balance, creativity. Um, it it all depends on the game because I, I think I don't think Andy Cannon's got the engine of a James Jones, but I think Cannon's got more 
about his game technically. I don't know because I don't want to. I don't want to downplay James Jones. Yeah. Well, I think we said didn't we last week that it is opposition. That there's got to yeah. be games where you want the James Jones, Duracell Bunny, pressing teams out of possession, quick transitions, moving the ball really fast, one touch, two touch. Whereas Cannon, he cherishes the ball a little bit more. He's a bit more of a creative threat and. Yeah, like you said, I think it just depends on circumstance, doesn't it? So that but, so that was you know very that was good. So, so two two goals in two games for Cannon, um, Palmer. You know, quick off the mark again. He, keepers make mistakes, but you've got to be there to to capitalize on them. The conditions weren't very good. You know, it wasn't. People were talking about the atmosphere. I mean, it's not that fun in the winter. I get it. You you go there, you win, you watch us get through. I thought the draw being beforehand was odd. You'd have to say that was I thought strange, but. I mean, it, it did set the tone. It lit the fire for a lot of people that there was something big to play for. And even Mullen said after that, Parky said it himself, we might not get how big the game is, but the fans down do and we need to get there. Yeah, I think that... I don't want to get negative on this podcast too much, but I do think some of the whining about atmosphere and stuff lately has been... And this will sort of come into the Burton game as well, where I saw some idiot on Facebook saying... Oh, this is like pre-takeover. Where are all those hardcore fans? Why aren't you going to watch us play in a trophy that most fans boycott? We saw the biggest attendance on the night. And it's don't tell other people that they're not proper fans. Don't try and make yourself better. You're not a top red because you went to the Burton game. Hate to spoil it for you. But in terms of the over game as well, I mean, it's compliment to Wrexham that these games are so routine. And it is a compliment to our prolonged success in recent years that there is an expectation on us to win. And, you know, sometimes it works against us. We've said it before that there can be an entitlement from the crowd. I don't, you know, I, that's understandable when you're winning most weeks, particularly at home. When Wrexham have this phenomenal home record, you do expect to turn up, be entertained and them to win. And, you know, sometimes it is just routine. Not every single football match is going to bring the crazy drama that Wrexham tend to have. You know, there are going to just be games you forget. There are countless, countless games, even from Parker's era, that you just forget ever happened because they're just so non-eventful. And I think that's just a result of it all, really. The cold weather doesn't help. The fact it's a Sunday afternoon also doesn't help. It's against lower league opposition. And yeah, you know, it's it's just one of those. Who cares? How? I mean, it's, again, testament to Wrexham that even when we win, we find a reason to winch. Do you know what I mean? We are just never, ever yeah, that's, happy. That's, that's, that's our shtick, isn't it? And that's everyone's shtick, it seems like. A couple of talking points um, from the Yeovil game that I, I wanted to bring up, Rich. Firstly, I'm going to say fair play to Aldi because the, I don't think I'd be saying that on today's podcast, but they saw an opportunity to play the system, try and get a quick sponsorship deal in place, and then try and get, was it Cuthbert? No, not Cuthbert, uh, Jolly the Green Giant or whatever, the, the, the Yeovil mascot. That became a big story. I know they did it at work. Um, suddenly you've got national press. Even Ye- Yeovil even tweeted out the, the Daily Mail article about that story. So they clearly got what they wanted out of it. That was a load of farce. And I, I think the mascot even got in in the end and did lead the team out. So that was all um, a very bizarre little story. And secondly, the injury to... Aaron Hayden, which when I did the post-match space, was a big talking point. It meant George Evans went into the back line. It meant you had, essentially, your last two seasons defensive midfielders in the back line. Um, And I think that did sort of upset the rhythm of the midfield a little bit. I think you didn't really have an orthodox city midfielder in Yeovil with a better team, I thought, in the second half for, for large spells. Firstly, on the Hayden injury, deja vu. Sadly, um, we've said it before on the podcast as well, and I hate to be that guy, but what is the long-term future for Aaron Hayden now? Because it's become the new catchphrase, availability is the best ability, and he just cannot be relied upon enough. And ruthlessly, Wrexham need players who are available as often as possible. Obviously, injury, misfortune is something you can't always anticipate. It's not something that's a fault of the player, I don't think. And yeah, it's it's horrible because we know that on this day, Aaron Hayden is still arguably the best defender we've got. We've seen that already this season. We've seen it in spells against Crawley, for example. But there's almost a Harry Lennon sort of element coming in here where everyone said Harry Lennon was the fastest defender, arguably our most talented defender. We were taking a bit of a gamble when we signed him, but the gamble didn't pay off fitness-wise. And I think Hayden is starting to almost feel that that void himself where 
you you almost when you talk about your best Wrexham eleven, you almost discount Aaron Hayden because you just can't rely on him fitness wise enough. And ultimately, that you can't build a team around him because he's just not available enough. You could think about our best runs ever under Parkey. You could essentially pick the starting eleven. Okay, you might change Dolby for Palmer. That was basically it. Maybe Ford for Barnett. But you knew exactly who your back three were whenever they were fit. Right now, Wrexham haven't been able to do that. And there is even the case now that, look, even when Aaron Hayden is fit, you can't rely on him long enough to actually play him. So even when he comes back to full fitness, Wrexham might have an established back three there and they might not want to disrupt it. So sadly for me, I do think that the days of Aaron Hayden and the Wrexham shirt will be numbered. Maybe going forward, we can afford to have him as that luxury fifth choice centre-back, maybe sixth choice centre-back, someone who you don't expect to play every game, but he'll want to be have, have a bigger role in that, and he deserves to, but I'm just not sure that we can promise him that right now. I'm not sure Parkey fully trusts him, um, and because I, I say that because, and again, you could argue that it's reading between the lines and semantics and all that, but asked about the injury... You know the way Parky said it. I mean, again, he might have just been after the game. You're not really thinking through choosing the words. I've, you know, yeah. I think Phil Parkinson is frustrated by how often Aaron. You know, to say Aaron said it... that his calf tightened. Either I mean, you know, it, sure you got checked out as well, medical team could say the the calf's tightened. To say Aaron said makes you think that he. Either I don't know. Let's just see. In my opinion, that's all it is. I I don't think he necessarily believes all the pain that he's in and only the player really knows how injured they are and how they trust their body and how far they want to push it. I just think those two, I'm of the opinion that if he was top rated as our number one centre back, then he wouldn't, he wouldn't be out of contract in six months, Rich, that there would already, the deal would be signed and done. I I think Parky does come from the old school approach. Maybe that some players play, play through the pain barrier. And obviously Aaron Hayden is protecting his own fitness and well-being because he needs to stay fit and have as long a career as he can because football is a very short career. Yes, you're paid well for a very short amount of time, but you want to have a club and have that that sort of safety net as well. And yeah, we'll see. It might just be the wording that was used, but I think ultimately there is no hide in the fact that Phil Parkinson clearly loves Aaron Hayden when he's fit, but he's just frustrated by how often he is on the sidelines. And for me, again, as we say, if you're building for a team that you want to be in League One next season, you just need players who are there and available every single week. And that's no fault of Hayden if he is getting injured and it's this unfortunate. But, you know, for Wrexham's own selfish benefit, we can't can't take any passengers. So Hayden goes off. Uh, I think James Jones came on, didn't he? And George Evans went into the back three. This weekend, and we've got a forest, we've got a great Forest Green preview to come later in the podcast. Are you expecting Evans and O'Connor again? You know, O'Connell's maybe not quite there. Max, we saw in that Burton game, which we'll get onto very, very shortly. I thought Max looked good in that. I thought he was one of the brighter lights. I know we conceded three, but I thought he was one of the brighter lights. Tunnicliffe, we're not sure where he's at with it. Toza will play again. Um, O'Connor, you'd imagine, will play again. What's your thinking now going forward if if Hayden is out and can't go? Is it Evans into that back three? Do you put Max in there and keep George in midfield? I mean, it's a conundrum at least. I think for the meantime, you put George Evans. George Evans has been a revelation to this Wrexham side. I think if you're looking at the next couple of games that are coming up, I'd expect Wrexham to win them. And I'd expect Wrexham to be able to do so with Evans and O'Connor in defence. Obviously, that's not ideal. If that's a short-term solution and look, you can welcome someone else back in in the next within this month, then I think that's a fine stopgap. But again, we said there, Wrexham need consistency. They need these established partnerships. They need a settled back five, as it were. And O'Connor, Toza, that's fine. It is just deciding who that's going to be. I thought Max, like you said, was was excellent again against Burton. and I've been so impressed by him. And you forget how young he is and how experienced he is. And you know he's basically had eighteen months with what 10, 15 games under his belt. This is a player who could have had so much more. Who's not kicked up a fuss. He's just got on with it. every single training session. Every single time he's asked to go into the team, he does a job. And I would, you know, to flip it that way, if I'm expecting Rickham to win these next few games. Why not Max Clu- Clueth? 
yeah, why not? Obviously, he was he came through as a left-sided centre-back, which is occupied by O'Connor at the moment. But I think there's certainly remit. It is just... I know he's done so well in the biggest tests, Max, whenever he's been thrown under the bus, basically, by being put into the team. But against someone like Troy Deeney, you just worry that he maybe would target Max if he was up against him this weekend. And maybe it makes sense to, to start Evans and O'Connor and Tozer because that is experience. Those players have the know-how. They know the dark arts and they're not going to get bullied. I'll concede that. one. I can't argue that. Um, Max, I think, has filled out really well and I think he's added a lot of muscle mass to himself, which is, you know, Owen Jackson, I spoke to a long time ago, strength and conditioning, said that, you know, Max is one of the best in the gym, first there, last out, that old cliche. I do agree with you. I I do just think there's benefit to keeping George Evans as a kind of screener in the midfield. That midfield has worked so well and it's looked so balanced. And Max, I think, is very, very capable and has deserved more minutes. But part of me thinks if you take George Evans out of the midfield, I think this weekend you're right, Rich. I think Deeney would target Max if he played. And so maybe, you know, after that, we need to know the extent of the Hayden injury and how that settles down. But when you take Evans out of that midfield, I know we're only moving him backwards uh, on the pitch. We're not taking him out full stop. I, I I do think that just it doesn't quite function the same, that midfield without him in it. And so I, I don't know whether the trade-off is better with, you know. I think that's the dilemma this weekend is that one position is going to ultimately take a hit. Wherever George Evans plays will be strengthened. Wherever he doesn't play will be weakened. So it is just weighing up which position you can maybe get away with having a little bit lighter. I think alternatively, maybe Evans at right centre-back, you could then have Cannon and Jones Maybe even go on, throw Luke Young in there if you love him so much. But you could have someone else. You could have the legs in midfield then to to sort of just get the ball from from back to front as as quickly as possible and and give them a bit of a refined defensive midfield role. Don't ask them to do what Evans does. But yeah, that's certainly certainly a point. And I suppose you know, like we said, Yeovil Yeovil win was good. It was the team we expected. The Burton one was interesting, wasn't it? In terms of the players we did see and the players that we didn't see. Who stood out for you? I, I mean, I did think that McAlinden was bright, but it's with the caveat that, look, he's never going to get a, a chance in a meaningful match. So, you know, I shrugged my shoulders then for all of you listening. McLean, I thought, was good off the bench. You know, the players that came on, I thought, livered up a bit. Who else stood out for you? Because I thought the midfield was a bit disjointed and didn't get much of a grip of the game. Not many, uh, to, to cut you off. Not many stood out. And, and those that did stand out, some of them, I think they stood out for the wrong reasons. Personally, I think a lot of those players there were in the camp of knocking on the door, wanting more minutes. All right, it's one game. You haven't played for a while. I, I totally get that. You know, it's very hard to come in. To be two goals down in three that. minutes, though, is not I the get best that, start, You've got to understand, we've picked a team that barely played and they picked, what, 10 of the 11 that played against Portsmouth last time out in League One. So the disparity is fairly large. But I think if you were looking at Will Boyle, I think he didn't take his opportunity, Rich. I think he struggled. He wasn't alone. I, I'm going to go on to others. I think. He... Yeah, well, I think I think that's a good point you make there about Will Boyle. He wasn't alone, but he was brought in as this guy's going to be in your first team every single week. He's going to be that left centre back, and he's getting no. And this isn't meant to be. Again, I'm not trying to be too savage, but he was in a back five of Macalinden, Aaron James, Max Clewerth, and Callum McFadden. And he was the worst of the five. Yeah, which which is which is damning for a player who's in the championship last yeah. season. Yeah, um, I thought Max was, like I say, one of the bright sparks. I know we're going to get onto a conquest. I, I don't think McNicholas made a really compelling argument. Like he has in other games to to be the number one. I think it, that performance last night only strengthened Mark Howard's position. I felt, which I think is unfortunate for McNicholas. I think he's looked bright in other games. I felt like he didn't take his chance. I thought the only, in terms of the bright spots, Rich, the only bright ones for me were Max Kluwerth and Sam Dalby, or Sam Dalby, uh, even. Um, I thought his goal was brilliant. I think he should start probably at the weekend alongside Paul Moyne. I always yeah. like that partnership. I think, yeah, I think the biggest compliment to Dalby was he was taken off yeah. in a way because it showed Park he was trying to save him for Forest Green. And like you said, considering we were playing such a strong Burton team, to lose 3 2 is, is really, really good, to be honest, considering how the game unfolded as well early on. Like I said, McAlinden and McFadden, I thought were okay, but the caveat is they're not going to 
have I mean, McFadden's not registered and Macklin is never going to play a meaningful game because the other week when we didn't have a left back which on those I, I speaking to people coming out of the game we were just having a debate um about uh, calling him up just after the game and we we're having a chat about you know when you've got we're, we're arguing about Mendy and McLean and, and Barnett and Ford we like pretty much all four of them and we've said before haven't we on the podcast that whatever combination you have of those whether it's Mendy Ford Mendy Barnett Ford McLean uh, Barnett McLean whatever we're quite happy with all of those but then if you need to go to the next rung down the the gap the quality gap I think is fairly stark I think if you know if if um, McLean had to step in it the, the gap feels significant and we said it didn't we when he played Jordan when Parky played Jordan there against Accrington. I know that was a, a trophy competition. Those lads are not going to get anywhere. Most of the lot that played against Burton won't get anywhere near it. So they've, they've either got to move on at the end of the season when contract expires or get a loan and try something else. I think what's so worrying now as well is now that we're out of the Bristol Street Motors, to give it its official name, when do these players get a chance next? Because the FA Cup tie is huge and we'll go full strength if you'd expect in that or certainly only a couple of changes. So when did some of these players maybe even ever play for Wrexham again? Because there is no there's no obvious opportunity. Well, we, we went through last week, didn't we, about the players that are out of contract. I mean, congratulations to Owen Cushion coming on making his debut at the very end. I know that's a really proud moment for, for the family and, and, and you know, you only ever get as Max Clue said, you only ever get one one debut. So, you know, you've got to cherish it, even if it is sixty seconds at the end or you're only gonna get one. So um you know, the, people like that, his contract is expiring and they've got an option of another year. Aaron James, you know, his contract, I think, is up for expiry. I, I just felt like, it was, you know, of all the players that were there that were chomping at the bit for an opportunity, you know, I think, I know Jordan scored, but Jordan, Young, Jones, I think they were they will all be frustrated with their performance that none of them were really able to get a grip of the game. They know they can play better than that. Dolby, I think, was good. Bickerstaff, I think, ran himself into the ground, but lacked quite looked like he lacked sharpness and quality and that's only normal because he's not playing games obviously not to strengthen my own argument he should have gone on loan but there you go um mcnicholas i think look could have looked at it and gone with the aconquo situation you know can i really stake a claim i get that's hard to do sometimes because we were carved open with ease in three minutes just felt like a lot of players would have come off that pitch i mean proud of the fight back but disappointed that they very few made an actual argument that they should be involved in the squad at Forest Green and man starting 11. Well, Nath, the reward for beating Yeovil, we all knew before kickoff, would be the trip to Shrewsbury away, a team we've not played for, God, what, 15, 16 years? That is going to be a tasty, tasty match. Like you said, some of the players and some of the more modern uh, sort of arrivals to Wrexham, both fans and players, might not understand the magnitude of this game, but it's as nasty as it gets, really, isn't it? I mean, you'd arguably say that it's maybe our most fierce rivalry with a a club. Yeah. And relevant, given, you know, the Flincher Derby doesn't get played very often. No, I I still think there's when when the Flincher Derby is played, I think that is really spicy. I mean, I have I haven't seen the the Shrewsbury Derby for what sixteen years now, so it's a long time. We haven't played each other for a long time, but you can bet your bottom dollar that it will be tasty. That we could sell the tickets three times over. No doubt it gets moved to an early kickoff. I I'll be honest, when the draw was made, I wasn't necessarily disappointed in the draw because it is a spicy derby. I just think when you get to the third round, you don't know how long your FA Cup journey is going to go. Obviously, I was hoping for a big Premier League away day where we'd get maybe five, 6,000 tickets and everyone can go. Shrewsbury's going to bring lots of people, lots of disappointed faces, lots of uh, people angry at anybody selling their ticket and reselling their ticket. Um, but it's winnable. You have to say that Shrewsbury beat Notts County with three goals that were gifted, served on a silver platter to Ryan Bowman. And you would like to think that we wouldn't be so courteous to to one of our bitter rivals. So I think, yes, it's tasty off the pitch, but it's also very winnable on the pitch. And, you know, we came past Coventry last week. I think in a way, yeah. I think in a way, if you're looking to progress to round four, it's the perfect game because it's it's the best sort of... 
is it the best tie you could get of a championship team or, be- or below the championship is the best game we could get for ourselves. And like you say, it's winnable. It's got the added edge of being a derby fixture, of being really nasty and having that that rivalry in it. So yeah, it's I'm, I'm excited. Like I said, when when it first came out the hat, you know, I was excited. I was buzzing. The WhatsApp groups were going off, but part of me was still like, God, I wish I'd played. We were playing Tottenham or we were playing Arsenal. But you know, you got to take a step back and look and say, it's it's really winnable and it's really exciting, and it's a chance to get one over against them. So. Will we get Absolutely a ticket, Rich, is the question. I'm sweating already. I am I am slightly sweating. So, look, I think we'll probably get, on police advice, we'll probably get, I don't know, maybe 1,500, maybe 1,600. Yeah. It, it depends on these kind of safety groups. You get all these, you know, SAGs, they called, and, uh, you know, all those kind of police. No doubt it gets moved to an early kickoff because they won't want people drinking before the game. Yada, yada, yada. Debating work today. Would it get picked for TV? No doubt. Gillingham against Sheffield United. There was a case made for that one. Arsenal, Liverpool, Wigan, Man United. I don't know. It'll be interesting. Wrexham, Shrewsbury. Will it get picked for TV? Mainstream TV? I well, don't the, know. The dilemma of my my side is, I mean, I think I think myself, like lots of Wrexham fans, will have booked that weekend uh, off already because it would have been MK Dons away, which a lot of us were looking forward to. I would love to go to... MK Dons. I'm not sure I'll be doing that on a Tuesday night now. Um, I would have definitely done it that weekend. My dilemma at the MEN is one of the other Man United reporters is a Shrewsbury fan, our dear friend Tyrone Marshall. So work-wise, only one of us can have that day off. And that is going to be, that's going to be tasty in itself. Like I said, I, I booked the Saturday off for MK Dons, but if our game gets moved to the Sunday instead, then yeah, I'm not even sure I'll be able to go to the game. Even if I got is a Tyrone, so... is Tyrone going to just pull rank though over you? Is he has he got that clout or is he? I mean, where are you in the pecking well, he order? He is technically the senior football writer at the MEN. Wow! So, and he's not been banned yet, by the way. That's good. Um, so that's good. That's good. What... So we shall see. But yeah, I, like on on Shrewsbury, you know, I'm I'm really looking forward to it, and I think it is again, like you said, it's it's such a good game for those who have been at the club for for such a long time. It is just a shame that, like you said. Not everyone can can get access to the match, and hopefully, at the very least, it'll be shown on S4C, maybe ESPN Plus in the states for for everyone else who who wants to watch on. But in terms of the match going experience, it is just a shame it'll pro- probably be a midday kickoff over that weekend, and yeah, just a bit difficult for for everyone to get tickets to. But you know, this is the modern Wrexham we live in, isn't it? And look, I think ultimately we'll go to Shrewsbury away and we will be very confident that we can do a job on them because even though we've got all this back in, they are still the League One team and there will still be the onus on them to make sure they do not lose to that team who's been in non-league for 15 years that they've not had to worry about for a long, long time. We are back and we're going to show them what we're back. And yeah, I can't wait. Cannot wait for that one. Rich, if we end up having to go to a replay with Shrewsbury, with Salop, uh, we would do so with a temporary stand behind the goal. Uh, return stand to the cop end. You see what I did there? Very nice segue, wasn't it, in terms of just bringing in the cop end news. Um, I was fast asleep, actually. I was on a week of late, so I was fast asleep when I saw the news. Normally, Wrexham like to drop their news on a Thursday when we've already released Rich. That's normally the way it works, and that's how we've got used to missing out all the big announcements. But Temporary standby in the Does goal. Does mean we probably missed us signing Lionel Messi today. Probably, probably. We've got the cop stand. We've, we've, we've got, got, we've got the cop stand. We've got the big news. No more Messi or Suarez. Uh, 2,000 plus, what is it? 2,265, something like that. Capacity uh, stand behind the goal. A temporary stand. Now, interestingly, at the fan advisory board in September, this was raised. Would there be the potential of a temporary stand? to which Sean Harvey was at the meeting, said that it wasn't financially viable to do so. That was in September. wasn't financially viable to do so. And I think from the club's point of view, they would still argue it's not financially viable. They said it wasn't, Because right? they claim they will lose right. more. They, and, they, and they still say now they will lose more money than they make from the temporary stand. But they are saying it is a, a, a footballing matter rather than a business one, that they just want more people to be able to watch Wrexham play football. So well, Rich, I do wonder. They are still... I do wonder if Rob and Ryan have just gone, just do it. Just uh, because they see yeah, lots, like we you can know. take the yeah, hit. Just take the hit. Just get people in the ground. I wonder where that U-turns come from. But either way, I think it's a positive U-turn. I don't, you know, I'm not trying to. Um, again, this is what we've been championing in recent weeks, though, isn't it? We've said that a lot of the decisions the club make 
have been business ones rather right. than football ones. And we said that about the merch. We've said that, said that about ticket prices in the past. We've said that about what, Junior Dragons. We've said that about a lot of things that we are making ruthless business calls, but they are not for the better of the community. This one is. So I think, you know, we've been critical of the club and obviously this isn't an ideal solution and hopefully it could have been done a little bit quicker, but it's happening. I think we've got to say credit to the club for actually making a move on this if they are losing money on it like they say they are because we've been very critical of them when they've been doing it the other right. way around. So fair play to them for, for taking that. Yeah, here, here, I'm with you totally. I think it, you know it's a great opportunity for more people to get tickets now. And it'll just be good to have four sides back on the ground, Rich, just to have people. I do wonder as well if anyone will be tempted for that first game, which is supposed to be that Newport game, whether anyone else who sits somewhere else will be tempted to just watch it from the cop end, even if it's temporary, even if it's raining and you'll be against the elements and you have to wear your rainy coat and get soaked like we were at Accrington. I think for some people, the nostalgia of being able to watch a game from the cop where they might have done 20 years ago or 30 years ago or even longer, I wonder whether that'll drag people back, even in kicking and screaming in the rain. The only ground, the only stand that won't be it's undercover. Tempting. It's tempting for people. Well, you, you mentioned that, didn't you? 2289 capacity plans to be open for the Newport game on December 23rd. Stand will be for home supporters only. Tickets £20 for adults, £15 for over 65s and under 21s, £9 for under 18s, and £6 for under 11s. And the stand will not have a roof, so fans will be exposed to any inclement weather. We get a lot of that in North Wales. You know that if you've ever sat anywhere in the stadium on the best of times. So, yeah, you're going to be very brave to sit there, but ultimately it's fantastic to have the opportunity. I'm just going to be interested. I mean, it's going to be brilliant to see a four-sided Kairas again with, with supporters occupying all of them. Also just going to be interesting to see what the setup's like there because obviously the amenities won't be very good, if any at all. You'll have temporary toilets, which you know has been an issue in general with the actual permanent stand they're trying to to put behind the ground behind the stand. So, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see, isn't it? But I think to have what twelve and a half thousand fans in for that Newport game that will be special. And it might not be the resolution that Robin Ryan want, but that is a step closer towards that mission statement of trying to improve the racecourse ground and bringing back bringing it back to the standard it needs yeah, to be. Yeah, I think I think as well. Look, we're we're not the first uh, team or club or body to put up a temporary stand. I mean, look, they, they, you, you get this at uh, golf tournaments, they chuck up, you know, massive stands um that are far bigger than 2000 odd. Um you know, Gillingham have got a temporary stand that's bigger, I'm pretty sure than the 2000 odd. Is it? I think I'm pretty sure it looks bigger than um our one that's, that's set to be. I think it's a positive step and it, you know, it could be a difference maker. We've said, haven't we, how most of the goals have come at the tech end. I know we've always typically won the toss and we've kicked towards the tech end second half, but it could be different. If you've got 2,000 home fans and you've got home fans rallying behind each goal, it doesn't really matter. Win or lose the toss. You don't give any side an advantage then. They're going to be shooting to, to a rabid crowd either way. So what made me laugh most? It'd be interesting from... to see what happens if we do win the toss then, doesn't it? Which end would the players st- want to attack that, instead? Surely he's still a tech end yeah. because... They'll still stick with that. I think, you know, the problem is that we we all know, I mean, when we went to Accrington, being in a stand with no roof, the atmosphere is dreadful. It tends to be dreadful because you've not got the acoustics. You'll be bitterly cold and it could be miserable. And, you know, that stand could... It could be brilliant. Imagine the limbs if we score a last-minute winner there in front of that. It'd be absolute carnage. But also imagine if it's the freezing cold sideways rain that you get in North Wales and things aren't going well. It could be maybe not the most favourable place to to watch a game. But like I said, it's a step closer towards what we want it to be. And also, Nay, from the subject of the temporary cop stand, we were asking Wrexham fans on social media who, past or present, associated with Wrexham, would they name the stand after? And we had some had some very good responses to this one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think my Kieran Kennedy cop will make uh, it past the idea stage, I said. I think the the initials of that might cause some confusion, um, which we do not need. But you had a bit of wordplay, didn't you, with your... Um... The junior and temporary cop Yeah, very nice. Who, nicely you know, done. Is... Nicely done. Junior and Tam. Throwback. If there. anyone what? doesn't know who Junior and Tam is, he was a bit of a... I mean, only played, what, 
12 games for Wrexham or something. And let's put it this way. One little tale I can tell you about Junior and Tam. I think he scored his only Wrexham goal against Hyde at home, from what I remember, or something of that ilk. When I was working for the Wrexham media team, uh, a year or two after Junior and Tam had left the club, we um, the club received correspondence from the home office asking where he was. Let's put it that way. Right. Wow. He, he'd overstayed, I, I believe he'd overstayed his working visa or something in the UK. And they, they were having trouble tracking him down. Um, well, wow. Wrexham couldn't help with that query, I don't believe. Okay. But that, that's the fun of, of, of Behind the Magician's there you Cloth, go. maybe. There you go. Well, um, I'm going to read a couple out, Rich, and then you can pick out, because it was your genius idea to ask the question. We got so many responses. I cannot read them all out, unfortunately. Um, Dan has put the Percy Pig temporary stand. Now, we did see the giant inflatable pig. Um, I assume that will come down. But if it doesn't, that would be very fitting. Um, Rye Jones has gone the Ntumba Mastanka, which, as you'll know, uh, where Ntumba Mastanka scored his overhead kick at that end. Um, Geraint has put the Rockin' Robinson stand. Um, Tim has gone the Emad Bunani temporary erection stand, which is slightly ominous. Uh, someone's just put Freddie Hines. No, 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 sort of clever name. Just, just call it Freddie. Just Hines. call it Freddie Hines. Um, Jimmy Gilbert's put the Michael Bakari appreciation stand. And then I'm going to give you two more before you get to any of the others. Uh, Ross has put Standy Morell. Very clever. Good wordplay as ever. Um, and Joe has put the Danny Alfie stand. Comes in temporarily to replace something amazing, but it's just to fill the gap and will be forgotten about within a year or two. I think some of my favourites are, I mean, to start on an actual nice note, Cynthia Scott said, the Wrexham supporters trust stand as it was the trust that saved the team and it's a nice way to honour them, even if temporarily, as it will be a home stand. Toby said, the Billy Sharp end, it's bitter, temporary and only used for half a season. We also had, from Ross, standing morale. I mean, that's good. Yeah, South Wales Reds said, South Wales Reds said, it'll have nothing on top. The Kevin Russell very stand. Very nice. Well, the the, Which you the know, best... Very good. But are you going to read John's? Yeah, I'll read John's one out because that one did get the most traction of all of them. John put... Let's call it the Ben Foster stand because it will only be with us a short time but serve an important purpose. And the save happened right in front of where it will be. God, there's there's also a good one with a swear word in it um, about Bobby Grant. So uh, you can fill that one in yourself. Well, Rich, on Ben Foster, we did get quite a few Ben Foster ones. Um, Sally put, why don't we call it the Stand of Foz? which obviously a play on the word for the hand of Foz, which was the documentary episode. Um, in all seriousness, what do you think they'll do with it? Do you think they'll get a sponsorship in? Do you think they'll name it after a player? What do we think? Uh, I think they I think they will get a sponsorship in because that's one way to offset this financial loss um, they're making. But what I'd love to do, and we've seen it at other clubs before, obviously you can veto these and not just have anything, but I'd love it if they did one of these sort of charity raffles where, look, Everyone can pay five quid or whatever. Someone will have their name picked out of a hat and they get to name it what they want while it's there. Obviously, you then sort of veto it so they can't have anything expletive or, you know, anything that sort of causes chaos or controversy because that's the last thing Wrexham need. They don't need another Paul Mullen boot fiasco with a, with a stand. But, you know, I think it would be a good way to do it. I, I mean, which Wrexham fan wouldn't want the stand to be named after them? I think that would be a great little way to to earn money. And it might even be one of those quirks where if you had so many people entering it, you might make more money than you would off a, a sponsorship deal anyway. Well, Rich, Jamie sent us a message that said, um, which would sort of probably go how it often does when you open these things up to just public votes and public suggestions. He said, why Standy McStanderson, otherwise known as the M&S Hot Food Hall stand for marketing purposes. Standy McStanderson, um, we've got the John Neal stand, Pop Cop, um, the Naughty Naughty stand. The Hugh Jackman stand. He is walking around everywhere in his Wrexham cap, so we do appreciate that, Hugh. JJ's cop after Joey Jones. A lot of shouts for Jacko, who was obviously a very prominent figure um, in the cop. Someone's put Robert McElhenney, the third memorial cop stand, the Ryan Rodney Reynolds stand. Um, Mahetta Malongo misfiring stand. Um, or another one that I really liked was caught the Les Evans stand after the photographer who stood out and stood in the open in all weathers just to bring us great pictures, um, which is a very nice suggestion. There were lots of suggestions, Rich. Um, whether any of them will actually make the cut, 
via the club, I don't know. But I'm very intrigued to see if any of them do. Stand of Foz would be very good. So, Rich, we talked about Aaron Hayden, that injury story, but the big injury story of the week. Now, it was getting slightly ominous, wasn't it? When we heard the word specialists and having to wait for more scans and second opinions, Arthur Oconquo, back to Arsenal, minor surgery. Uh, I won't get into the storm that that caused by me putting that story out there, but um, Arthur Oconquo having surgery, minor surgery, I should say, and the feeling there is it's weeks rather than months. Now, could he come back much sooner with headgear on? Potentially, that is a, an option. Again, it's going to be about comfort. He didn't look comfortable um, playing on at Harrogate before he came off. Didn't look you know, in a in a fit state really. It's going to be a case of his own pain threshold whether he wants to play on with it. But Arthur Oconquo expected to be out for I don't know what can I what can I conservatively guess three to four weeks maybe at the at the wrong end of that you could say eight weeks. I don't think it'll be that long, but you could say at the wrong end of it, depending on how it settles after surgery. So, yeah, Arthur Conquo sidelined, Mark Howard stepping up. I mean, we've seen, haven't we, even at the start of the season before Conquo arrived, that Mark Howard was doing a good job. Again, he was the keeper who, okay, he didn't get us over the line promotion-wise, but he ran the most, most of the race before he handed the baton over. He's a, a great pro, really experienced. He knows he's not everyone's first choice. He's a really popular person and figure and deserves his credit. And as a short-term fix, I'm I'm quite comfortable with that. I I accept I anticipate there'll be a drop-off, but I just don't see what the alternative is at the moment. So it's one of those where I'm just gonna bite my tongue tongue and look, I think there'll be games. We've we've already said what you know what we think will happen in the next five games. You put that on social media and I said we'll get 10 points for our next 15 because I think Swindon and Wolves all the way from home without a conquer I'm, I'm a bit worried about because his game management has been integral to to our best away performances this season. But I'm also just going to bite my tongue and say, look, to know that we will get a conquer back fully fit, playing Howard for a few games is a price I'm willing to pay. We're not going to get anyone else in. We've not got anyone else more suitable at the club, I don't think. So I'll bite my tongue. And look, if Howard makes a mistake then I'm not going to be too critical because he is not our number one goalkeeper anymore. I was critical of Howard when he was our number one goalkeeper because I just didn't think ultimately he was good enough at times and he made some bad mistakes. But now we have got someone who's better and everyone I think would be unanimous in agreeing that. So yeah, I think for for the short term, it's not ideal, but we're, we're in a very fortunate position compared to lots of other clubs that if they lost their number one, they wouldn't have someone as good as Mark Howard to come in. No, and I, I, on a conquer, I would say, look, it's it's a positive update. That word surgery can scare people, but people get you know little mini operations for all sorts now, little cleanups here and there, and it's always surgery technically, but it's you know not not the end of the world. He's not being recalled to Arsenal. You know, it was my understanding that had it been a really serious injury, he'd have just gone back to Arsenal, which is usually the way it goes um, with loan players. It's not that case. He is going to go back to Wrexham. And I, I'm sure he will go on to play, you know, a big role for the remainder of the season and hopefully get us over the line with a promotion. But it's one of them things, Rich, you know, goalkeepers get injured. We've we've had rotten luck, really, at the back. And think goalkeepers generally. Lainton, I mean, Howard, you have to say we're talking about availability. Very rarely has he not been available. He's always been fit. He's always been ready to play. We've had issues with Lainton. We had issues, obviously, with Foster at the end, in terms of or at the start, in terms of him walking away. Um, Aconqua has now got this injury, and Mark Howard's always been there. He's always been available and fit for selection. So, like I said, I think you just got to get behind him. You know, he, he's he's well known to the defenders. They trust him. He played well against Yeovil, I thought, um, for what that's worth. And at Forest Green, it'll be Mark Howard. And, and based on what I saw from Luke McNicholas on Tuesday night, I think Mark Howard has got some distance between the two of them right now. Let's hope he can help us snatch victory from the uh, jaws of defeat, if we can call it that, with Arthur Conquo being sidelined with that. But yeah, look, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think that we're in a very good place. And look, even, even for that sort of injury to, to happen, we're still second in the league. The festive season's going to be tough. We might not see a Conquo again, what, this year now? See him in January. Hopefully, don't rush him back too quickly. But I'm still confident that even 
we'll be able to get through this month and then and then find our feet again. Other teams are dropping points. Other teams are having injuries as well. So, like I said, it's it's disappointing. It's not ideal, but I think we will will be. Do okay. you do you still for a conquer? Do you go and make a play in January and go and make an offer? To Arsenal, or or do you just ride out the season and hope for the best? Because I do think if you get to the end of the season, maybe the ship will have. I don't know. I know we've had this debate already. We 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 did a YouTube video, and thanks for all that watched that. And if you haven't, you know, probably go back there to listen to our full debate on whether we can keep a conquo. Um, the injury, I don't think, complicates it, but it does does change the dynamic in terms of whether it's better to move now or later. It's a tough one, isn't it? Again, I just think there's too many variables in the situation. The fact that we don't know what league we'll be playing in come the end of the season. The fact that a Conquo doesn't know what other offers he'd get. So I just think it's too early for anything to happen on that. I'd love to be proven wrong, but I just don't think a Conquo. I mean, in the nicest possible way, I think he's too clever to commit to Wrexham right now because worst case, he could be playing in League Two next season again, which is below him. And ultimately, look, he could get a very impressive offer from another team and he'd be foolish not to at least consider that, although we'd love him to stay at Wrexham. So I think the conversations will be going on behind the scenes. Wrexham will be doing everything they can to try and prolong that stay. But I think from the player's point of view, it would make no sense at all to, to commit to Wrexham right well, now. Rich, the way David Raya's playing, just letting everything go under him and he's flapping at all sorts, maybe Arsenal will need him because he clearly doesn't fancy Aaron Ramsdale either. So who I mean, knows? Again, I'm not, even, I'm not even joking here though, but imagine if Raya... Ryan's form continued to dip and say Ramsdale got injured. Arsenal might be looking, well, we need someone to come in at least as a backup. Well, I, I, We've got I, a conquer art. So I, went, I mean, went to do the Southampton-Cardiff game at the weekend. Wrexham weren't playing on that Saturday. And it was runner Alex Renarsson in goal. Um, I think it's on an Arsenal player who's on loan at Cardiff. Cardiff fans were absolutely furious that he was even playing. And... You have to say, I mean, he couldn't have done much about the first Adam Armstrong goal that was like absolute peach rich, top corner, nothing you could do about that. But you'd have to say, I didn't I didn't look at Renarsson in the championship and go that this guy is a lot better than Arthur Oconqua. I know it's relative in terms of the division you're playing in and the, the quality, you know, we, we're not coming against, up against any striker like Adam Armstrong, 15 million pound striker in the championship. But honestly, I think Oconquo is... So we're so lucky to have him. It is absolutely unbelievable. And that only reinforced it going down to a very chilly St. Mary's. Um, that only reinforced it for me watching Cardiff and, and Renard. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with muck delivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right then, as we always do, uh, opposition preview. Wrexham back in league action. No more of this Bristol Street Motors uh, nonsense, we're going to call it now. Now we're out. Uh, back to the league at the weekend. Forest Green Rovers, as we always do, we don't know the first thing about the opposition, do we, Rich? So I thought I'd enlist the help of BBC Radio Gloucestershire's Forest Green summariser, Josh. Thank you for coming on. Firstly, have Wrexham got anything to worry about at Forest Green on the weekend? Yeah, thanks for having me on, uh, by the way. Um it's going to be an interesting one, isn't it? Because there's no expectation on the Forest Green side that anything is going to be really a surprise. I think I think Forest Green got the worst home record in the league, whilst Wrexham are second in the table. And I mean, their home, uh, their away form, sorry, isn't like the best in the league. But I think Forest Green will be very surprised to pick up anything on Saturday. 
I'm really fascinated by the appointment of David Horseman because, again, a young manager, which kind of fits what Forest Green are doing. The midfield in the last league match, I think it was against Bradford, was two 21-year-olds, a 20-year-old, and an, a very old 24-year-old in that midfield. Uh, David Horseman, very young and inexperienced in terms of first-team management. Obviously, it's not gone well, but how has it played out? Yeah, what he does try and do, he tries to kind of stick to his system. It's his first role, like you said. So I think part of his coaching mantra is taken from his youth team coaching style. So making sure that you're getting the best out of the players, like you said, a lot of a young core as well. But there's also a lot of injuries in that squad and that's really hurt him this year. Uh, A lot of the players have been out either. It's been a lot of muscle injuries, which is a bit surprising to see whether... It's just been a real problem at Forest Green for the last 18 months to, to two years. They can't keep enough of their good players fit. And I think Horsman has just kind of kept going with that and hasn't hasn't been able to keep enough good players on the pitch. And that's probably why they find themselves where they are on the table. Also, playing a 4-2-2-2 formation, maybe it's not picking up all the results that they want right now. And whether they'll see a change, I, I mean, on Tuesday night, they went a little bit more direct. Whether they'll continue with that, on Saturday, just try and, try and get out their third, defensive third, because they've just been leaking too many goals. And I think the fans, they don't need a heavy defeat on Saturday. That's one thing. A lot of pressure will build again if if a heavy defeat is is what it is. Well, Rich, before I throw it to you, that four two 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 is the Ralph Ranick staple, isn't it? That was uh, what, he, what he was living and dying by. Before I throw it over to Rich, Troy Deeney is the obvious star name that people will know among the sea of youngsters how has it gone for him because he's in a player coach role isn't he? he's obviously transitioning now towards management and it feels like they you know horseman it feels like Troy Deeney's there and waiting for a role a la a Wayne Rooney type how has he gotten on the pitch first I guess yeah it's he's got a very good relationship with horseman and I think what he is is somebody who wants to get close to the fans I think it was a really interesting discussion myself and Billy, the, the commentator, had on Tuesday night. Is He will carry players with him with the way that he, he is, his character, his, his experience. It's just got to get the right mould, hasn't it? I think there's a bit of friction between him and the current uh, strike partner and Tyree Somatoy. I think, ideally, I don't think uh, he that's the kind of pairing that he wants up there. I think Matty Stevens and Matty Taylor to come back I think that would be more that would be better for options, but he is that talisman, and you know he's got that sort of performance in him away at Notts County scoring a hat trick. He has got that kind of performance in him, something that you can really cling on to, but just needs to do it more consistently and keep his fitness up, and also just having that coaching role. It's just always something that you kind of they need him as a player right now. That's that's the most important thing. They need him to perform on the pitch and kind of win games for Forest Green. I was going to ask as well, Josh, what, what were the expectations for Forest Green heading into this season? Obviously, just coming back down to, to League Two, were supporters expecting them to give it another go promotion-wise? Or was this always seen as a season where, you know, things were going to take a bit of a hit? Yeah, I think I had them down as probably mid-table um, at the start of the season. I think they would have taken a season of consolidation. I think, obviously, getting rid of Duncan Ferguson at the time that they did give a little bit of kind of transition, no chance, if you know what I mean. Um, I think Horsman had a couple of weeks of pre-season still to play, so I don't think he was fully set. There was a new director of football come in, new CEO come in in the summer, so just a season of consolidation would have been ideal, and now they find themselves fighting kind of a relegation battle, which I think Horsman was kind of adamant that they wouldn't be at the start of the season. They were too good to, to go down, but obviously... There's a lot of good teams in League Two now. I think a lot of teams really can show that they can play football. It's not just a, a league of, of big chaps. A lot of teams can play. And I think Forest Green has just been found out on a couple of occasions that maybe a little bit too naive, a little bit too honest in challenges. And sometimes they come on the receiving end. I was also going to ask you there in terms of, as Wrexham fans, we're maybe we're obviously self-centered on our own our own team. But who have been the best teams you've actually seen in, in League Two this season? Then who who have been the toughest team that that Forest Green have played? Because obviously they did score three away at Meadow Lane. They did only lose two 0 against Stockport. I wish we'd only lost two 0 away at Stockport. I mean, how how has the season been in terms of the teams you've played? 
Stockport, I was very impressed by on on the day. They were, in, I think, they were on a run of about seven, eight wins and trot on that occasion as well. And Louis Barry was really good that night. Um, Barrow were very good. They they completely did a did a job on Forest Green that night. I think they went quite quite aggressive early, and Don Telford up front was really impressive. And there, if you piece together a good five, six games, it's it's incredible how far you can go, isn't it? I think Forest Green will be hoping for the same of that and kind of drag them towards mid-table. And yeah, those two are probably the most impressed I've, I've been. Stockport away was very tough and they were a very good side. Rich, I was going to say that we've this is the final relegated team from last season that we're due to play in the, in the first round of games. So we played MK Dons on the opening day obviously got turned over 5-3 there. We were both at Accrington in the rain recently, lost 2-0 there. Morecambe at home, 6-0 hammering. You know, that could have been double figures even in in the end. I know you said Morecambe, you thought we're all right. Forest Green away next. Now on paper, yeah, that should be a comfortable win, probably the easiest of, of all, all. But we saw at Accrington, didn't we, that you sort of never know when these away games. Wrexham are a little bit different away from home than they are, especially with physicality. I guess when I'm looking at that midfield, if Josh, if Forest Green are to beat Wrexham, is it just going to be on pure technical ability, pace, physicality? What is it? Because I'm looking at that the youth of the side, and I just don't think they're going to be able to bully Wrexham when I'm looking at it on paper. Yeah, I, I do have to agree. I don't think they're able to to bully Wrexham whatsoever. I think they they're going to have to try and play the football if they can, try and just kind of get the ball in the final third as as quickly as possible. It sounds very simple, but try and force Wrexham to do as much defending early as they can. And that's probably the way out. They're going to need players to be on their A game, aren't they? Troy Dean is going to have to be really influential, I think. And just also just try and get as many crosses in the box as you can because it's too many times they've had the ball in deep areas or it's almost been forced to to do too much from, from a position. It's almost going to have to be perfect. I think Horsman mentioned on Tuesday night how good the XG is compared to how much they're actually scoring. Callum Morton's going to be a, a big player in that, hopefully coming back on Saturday. And what I would say is Forest Green's home form is pretty dire. I think eight defeats at home out of 11, worst home record in in League Two. So if you are going to pick a game to win, if you're Exxon or pick a team to play on Saturday, you are probably picking Forest Green away. Yeah, I was going to say, as sort of long-term Wrexham fans, we make a case every single game of why Wrexham won't win it. But is there any hope at all from Forest Green? Do they see it as a free hit or are they ultimately just expecting another home defeat this weekend? I think everybody goes to the ground and hopes, don't they? They they'd still think the team is going to pull something off. Um, there's going to be a good crowd in as well. I think a good 3,500 uh, tickets sold, only a few hundred left available, so it should be a, a pretty good atmosphere. And you just, you just never know, do you? I, I don't think Forest Green fans are expecting it, but they were a League One team last year. Like, there's, there's obviously quality that's gone through the ranks. I know not many of the players are, are still there anymore, but I think it's just the, the mentality has got to be to try and win the game because you can, you can beat anyone, can't you? Anything can happen in this league. It's pretty crazy. Um. And when they went to Notts County, they came pretty close and played really well at Notts County that day. And you just never know when when the, when Forest Green are going to turn up at this moment. Rich, we're in uh, Christmas season, and I saw the team sheet, and I saw Kay McAllister, not the not the the actor off uh, Home Alone, but Kyle McAllister. If it's not him, and it's and we know a lot about Troy Deeney, who is someone to watch for these Wrexham fans that are travelling down? There's a lot going there that. Obviously, like Richard, we know plenty about our team, but we've watched a lot of good players across the league this year, Stockport, Swindon, Barrow, and the odd players that catch the eye. And given our money, we're looking to poach anyone we can. So who who are the young stars in that Forest Green team? Yeah, I think um, when you are looking at key players, I think Morton is going to be key if he starts. I think he is going to be hopefully going to have that impact that he, he can have. He has been very good so far. I think Carl McAllister, like you mentioned, he is, he's been a positive player. He's just signed a new contract as well. Someone who is not a non-league player. So if he's signing a long-term contract, um, you, you are hoping that they've got ambition to try and stay in the league. Horsman also mentions to go for January targets as well. Already mentioning kind of, if the players aren't doing it now, I will replace you kind of thing. Um, 
quite a bold statement for a manager to be to be giving. But at the same time, you are looking at the squad and you're thinking there's a lot of injuries there. Um, and maybe the players aren't performing right now. I'd say Carl McAllister, Callum Morton are going to be the keys to that. Also at the back, hopefully, Ryan Innes is over his stress factor. He played on Tuesday night. Um, just offers that stability at the back and being able to get him and Jordan Moore-Taylor as centre-halves more consistently is also going to be a little bit better for the side because they've been a little bit too fragile at the back and a bit too honest in, in some duels. I've heard that I heard in the summer that Ryan Innes was someone that Wrexham were at least looking at, and then the Forest Green package came along, and it was you know a, a lucrative package that, that I was told, and and he, and he went there. One of the things I wanted to educate the listeners on a little bit before we wrap it up on Forest Green is, yeah, our owners get so much attention, and that's inevitable given their stature. But you know, when people say Forest Green, Dale Vince is just the the next thing that comes to mind for a lot of people talked about building a new stadium and you know elevated the club into league one maybe a word on on dale and kind of what he's done and and also you know how damaging it would be for the club to to slip back into non-league with all this grand plan of what he wants to do with with the club yeah i think dale's really ambitious and everyone you talk to about dale is is all positive you, you hear a lot talk about people who don't really know dale say He's this, he's that, he, he does everything for attention. But he's actually a, a really good guy and everything that you hear from, from people who know him is really positive. He's ambitious. He, he does want to do this eco-park. I'm not quite sure what stage it's at. I, I know the planning permission has gone through. Like I said, what they can't do is go tumbling out of the EFL in, in the space of two seasons from League One to, to conference because, as you guys know full well, it's... It's a very, very difficult time to try and get out of that league. So what they can't do is is that. Um, Dale was ambitious and he does want to to stay in the Football League. I'm sure of that. Maybe his focus has drifted elsewhere, doing a lot more public stuff that, that's not Forest Green. But he will have an eye on where they are. He, he has had conversations with the manager, with the director of football, Um because at the end of the day, this is still his football club and he will be he will care about where they end up at the end of the season. Well, I think that's it, isn't it, from us, Nath? Anyway, I mean, thank you very much, Josh. And yeah, we shall see what happens this weekend then. Like we said, Forest Green, the worst home record in League Two. I guess maybe before we go then quickly, do you think there's a reason why Forest Green are worse at home than they are away? Because I think they're 18th out of 24 teams for away form, but, but 24th out of 24 for home form. Yeah, I think the two wins on the road, I think they came at Harrogate and Sutton, which you'd probably say are, the, are going to be towards the bottom of the table, which is is not, not too surprising. The other point came at Wimbledon, and I was actually very impressed by Wimbledon as well. That was a bit of a, a surprise result. But um, maybe I think they just had a really bad run of form where I think everyone kind of, once the crowd turned a little bit, there was a lot of pressure that came on the players and it takes a, a character to kind of to deal with that. And I think just sometimes the atmosphere between player, manager and, and fans isn't always cohesive, I'd say. A lot of pressure comes on the players quite quickly and they, they do feel that. It's quite a, a tight little ground as well, so you can kind of hear everything. If there's a little bit of criticism that comes from from one particular fan in, in the East and you... you you as a player, you as a manager, you can hear it. And I think Orsman may be guilty of just maybe taking it a little bit to heart too quickly, too easily, but you would if, if you're in that position. You would hear everything. Well, Naif, like we said there, Wrexham should be the favourites to win this weekend. We will always make the case that, that they might not do so, but I, I'm feeling confident. I do think we'll go there. I'm not expecting a, a massive win. I just think we'll do a professional job win maybe 2-3-0. A clean sheet would be excellent. It'd be really good for Mark Howard as well, as we said earlier. Are you feeling similar, confident this weekend? Yeah, I mean, look, in the next five, what is it, three away games in the league in the next five? I think this is on paper the easiest. Um, you know, we're coming up against the worst team at home, which inevitably means that Rex will probably help them turn the tide on that. Now, you, you, you've got to be winning these kind of games. Um, Accrington was tough there, up there, and they just outmatched us physically. Forest Green are a young team. An inexperienced team, except for probably 
um, Darbo at right back, and it was at Coventry last season, and Deeney. So Darbo will know much about Wrexham from that Coventry game. Deeney is very complimentary towards Phil Parkinson and you know, starting off on his own coaching journey. Deeney will be the one. If you can keep Deeney quiet, I don't think they'll offer much at all. We'll see if that's famous last words. But I am confident. I'm going to go... I mean, it's not been a great way for moment. I'm going to go 2-1, Rich. I'll go for a, a, a narrow 2-1 win because I think we're still figuring out on the way away from home. And um, I'm going to go, actually, for Gorgeous George to get on the score sheet. You're really treating us here. Very specific prediction. You've heard it all here first, haven't you? Um, yeah, we'll be back next week anyway to see what did happen at the new lawn. As always, thank you very much for joining us on Rob Ryan Red, the Wrexham podcast. Brought to you by Red 10 People Development. Massive shout out to Wrexham-based band Hypnotic for the music. The Stings, their new lyric video for the song Smolder is out now. You can get that on YouTube. I think we'll even put a link of that in the description below as well if you want to check that one out. Um, yeah, the great work that they're doing. Thank you very much for their support. And yeah, once again, myself and Nath, so grateful to you. Please leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already. That really does help us. A review as well, like I said, of the show is a really good way to help boost us up the, sh- the charts. If we were in any of your Spotify wraps or anything like that, keep sending them in. We really appreciate that as well. I've said thank you too many times. Let's get gone. We'll see you again next week. It's the 90th minute. All your mates are around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got butt for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.